And I know this, that in a time of crisis, that is a time for Christ and us to show up and to shine the light of God's love and the power of the gospel through the lives which we live. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning, church. It is a different Sunday, not just in the life of Putnam City Baptist Church, but in the life of this world. There is no second service today. That's the good news. So I get to preach as long as I want to this morning. So I am at least grateful for that for sure. I'm also thankful for our worship team. What a great job they did this morning leading us in worship. Uh, Very powerful time there. Thankful for our media team who's worked all week long to communicate and to get the word out about what's happening and to be here this morning to make all this possible so we can continue to worship no matter what happens in this world. I'm also very thankful for our ministry team, our ministry staff, as they're back in the room right now with you online, online pastors. We've got people here in the sanctuary who are praying for you, praying for our nation, and praying for the world. I wanted to switch up a little bit. We're still going to be in the book of Romans to a degree this morning, but I felt like it was important for us to talk from God's Word about how do we minister in times of crisis? How do we minister with this virus, this pandemic that we face today? I think all of us will remember the year 2020. This will be a year we'll never forget, the year of the virus, the year of coronavirus. And we are living in an unprecedented time, unlike any other time in our lifetime. And I know this, that in a time of crisis, that is a time for Christ and us to show up and to shine the light of God's love and the power of the gospel through the lives which we live. There's no how-to manual. There's nothing that we have that we can break open and say, okay, now we do A, B, C, and D. But we do have the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit lives within us, as the Holy Spirit directs us, we can find new ways of making a difference in other people's lives. You know, different parts of our country are taking some very necessary steps with regards to congregational and large gatherings. We're seeing a cancellation of concerts and sporting events, conventions and conferences, all being canceled across the globe. We're finding an entire nation of Italy shutting down. We're seeing universities sending their students home early and perhaps a prolonged spring break or maybe even the rest of this Uh, semester online digitally. All are making changes. We watched right here in our very own city, the NBA being shut down and because of coronavirus being present on that court or at least within the team that came to Oklahoma City. Uh, The changes that meant for our franchise but also the NBA. Most college sports are canceling for the rest of this semester. Cruise ships and airplanes are sitting empty. Life is very different because of this virus. This planet has known many plagues, and there will be even more that will come throughout human history according to Scripture. But this particular virus is being treated way differently than past viruses. So let me ask you this question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? I want you to think about that question for just a moment. Matter of fact, I'm going to put it up on the screen. What do you do... When you don't know what to do. I believe it was Adrian Rogers, one of my heroes of the faith, that had this basic answer to that question. He said, when you don't know what to do, just simply do what you already know to do. 
So today I want to dig into the Word, what God has already revealed to us. What do we do on a daily basis? What are we called to do as the body of Christ to bring glory and honor to Him as we seek first His kingdom? A couple things I want to encourage you with. Number one, we don't want to guess at it. We don't want to just take some wild stabs. We don't want to ignore the situation, just bury our heads in the sand and lock ourselves up at home and play it safe. We don't want to give up either. We don't want to give in to fear. We don't want uh, that pandemic to set up shop in our soul, in our emotions, or in our thinking. So do what you already know to do. As I said earlier, we have an unprecedented chance to act redemptively in the midst of crisis and fear. There was a great plague that happened during Martin Luther's time. You maybe perhaps are familiar with Martin Luther. In 1527, he was used by God to bring reformation uh, to the globe, uh, where the world had gotten caught up in false religions. Luther, filled with the Spirit of God, addressed vain religion and brought back a reformation to the Scripture. Well, great plague was spreading through the planet. Lives were being lost. Martin Luther was asked how Christians should respond during that crisis, during that plague. The question was not hypothetical. It was bubonic plague. It had struck his area, his region. And Christians were afraid, as many other citizens were. And given Luther's importance to that moment, many of the Protestant princes urged Luther to flee and to save himself. He refused. Instead, writing the short track now known as Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague, Luther argued that Christians have a dual duty to care for those whom God has placed in their path through their vocation, through their neighborhoods, along with their duty to care for their own bodies, which God had placed as their stewardship as well. He said, Thus we can indeed flee a plague for safety unless we have duties to people who cannot flee. He stated Christians should not fear some small boils and that death is death, however it may come to us. That Christians do not abandon their crosses just because they get heavy. We are to die on them. In other words, lay down our life for others. We aren't here for this life only. We understand that there's more to life than just this lifetime. We are to seek first the kingdom of God above all things. And sometimes... That may mean laying down our life for our friends and for our neighbors. God said there's no other way. Jesus told his audience, there's, there's no greater commandment than this, and you love the Lord your God, that's seeking first his kingdom. That's your relationship with him, and that you continue to make that a top priority. But he said the second is like the first. The two go hand in hand, loving God and loving our neighbors. So how do we do that? How do we minister to those who have the virus? Well, some may say, Pastor, that isn't even that big of an issue yet for Oklahoma. And whether it is or whether it isn't, it is still very relevant to us. We've been very fortunate as a state to have very few reported cases of coronavirus, and that in itself is something that we can look towards in the days ahead to see if there's new opportunities, but certainly being thankful for where we are today. However, we can use this time to minister to everyone, whether they have this virus or not. Because you see, everyone you know, including yourself, all of us have been infected with an even more deadly virus. Way before the coronavirus, we were all infected with an eternal virus. 
you have your Bibles this morning, I hope you will join me. I'll put some of these verses up on the screen as well. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to go past chapter 3 and 4. Let's fast forward up to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Paul was telling everyone in his day, and that same word in his day speaks just as true in our day. He said, therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, speaking of the first man, Adam and Eve, who were placed in the garden, a place of paradise, a place without sin. We know that story, that they invited sin into their lives and ultimately into the DNA of man. And the Bible says here that we were all infected with this virus. Just as through sin entered through one man, death then entered through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all of sin. I'm just as concerned as you are about this current virus. But I would say to you, this is a time to remind people we're even more concerned. And we, as the body of Christ, should be even more concerned about the eternal virus, the virus of sin that runs through the veins of every human being that's ever been born. It is a virus that not only robs of physical life, it will rob people of eternal life. And so man's greatest need is not to find a vaccine for coronavirus, although that is an important need. The greatest need of every person on this planet is to be healed of the eternal virus that we just read about in Romans chapter 5. So how do we help them find their antidote? How do we help them find that healing? The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 talked about an eternal antidote that God the Father provided for you, for me, for your neighbors, for your friends, for your co-workers, for this world. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says this, But he, speaking, prophesying of what would happen in the life, ministry, body of Jesus, said he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him. That word chastening means punishment. The punishment, the penalty of my sin, your sin, the world's sin, was all poured out on Jesus on the cross. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was crucified. Why? Because of our sin. And by his scourging, by his substitutionary death, Isaiah prophesied, we would be healed. The antidote had arrived and would arrive in the form of God leaving heaven, taking on flesh and being born into this world. He became our antidote. The psalmist understood this in Psalm 41 and verse 4. When he said, as for me, I said to the Lord, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. David understood that he couldn't fix his virus. He couldn't fix his sin. Just because he was king of Israel, just because he was a giant killer, just because he had a resume, he could not conquer the greatest virus of all, his sin. And so he cries out to God, and he says, God, be gracious to me. He called on God's grace. He understood grace is something only God can give. He couldn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. He couldn't fix the virus, but there was an antidote, God's grace. And so I want us to skip over to Romans chapter 10 now. Go over to Romans chapter 10, and we'll just fast forward in our study. We'll come back to chapter 3 in the weeks to come. And let's look at what Paul does to address 
this issue of a virus, the antidote that exists, and how we have a responsibility to share that with our world. Take a look at it. We're in Romans chapter 10. We'll be in verse 11. What we find here in Romans chapter 10 is Paul bringing some much-needed logic to the pandemic of man's sin. He addresses how can they call on this antidote? How can they receive a treatment for their virus if no one ever brings it to them? If they never even know that there is an antidote for their illness? Look at verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. So we take a look here. We're reminded that all you ever experience in this life is this life, you'll be most disappointed. If all you experience is a life infected with the virus, under the condemnation of sin, no matter how much you try to fill the vacuum and the void in your life, no matter how much you pursue in this lifetime, if all you ever know is this life and this life only, you'll be most disappointed. But Paul said, whoever believes in him will never be disappointed, that there's more to life than the things of this world. There is built into each of us who were created in the image of God a spiritual component, a spiritual vacuum, a void that can only be filled with the God who created us. We can't fill it with the stuff that God created, the natural realm. It can only be filled with the antidote. And our problem is that this virus, this virus that's in all of our veins, that came to us through that first man, has brought us spiritual death. And so we can't know abundant life. We can't know life in its fullest form until our dead spirits are brought to life through Jesus. And as radically concerned as we are for people who've been infected with the coronavirus right now, as we watch them struggle and fight for their health and for their well-being, what about people's souls? What about this bigger virus? What about this eternal virus that every human being on this planet has been infected with? Verse 12, Paul goes on to say, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Isn't it interesting that in this virus that started off in China, that spread now into Italy and to other places of the world, and now has found its way all the way onto our shores. It is a virus that has spread. It has no distinction. It isn't just related to one ethnic group or one country or one border, but it has spread to the whole human race. The same is true, Paul saying, of this eternal virus called sin. But he goes on to say, For the same Lord is Lord over all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Look at verse 13 again. He promised that there is an antidote, that we can be saved from death and from the consequences of our virus that we've been infected with. That antidote is Jesus. And when we believe in Him, we can be saved. That word saved there in the Greek literally means to be delivered out of danger or to be rescued. There are many people today that are looking for their rescue from a coronavirus. All of us need to be looking for rescue from the virus, that eternal virus called sin. And it can only be found in Jesus. He is the antidote. I wonder, just for example right now, if God, God forbid you happen to be infected with the coronavirus. 
Think about that for just a moment, what those who currently have that virus, what their reality is. Everything has changed in their world. There's only one focus that they have at this very moment. It's not their bank accounts. It's not relationships. It's not the material world. They are desperate for a cure. They're doing everything they can to be healed. You would be doing the same thing. I would be doing the same thing. We would spend the entirety of every day searching for a cure. What would you do if you had that virus and you found out later, or perhaps one of your family members, perhaps your child or your spouse, dies of the virus, and yet you find out later that your neighbor next door, who also had had the virus, survived because they had an antidote. They knew the cure. And they had been cured of their disease, and yet when that hit your household, they never came by, and they never brought you the antidote, and they never cared enough to pass on the cure. Would you feel betrayed? Of course you would. Would you be hurt? Of course you would. Irreparable damage would have been done to your home. How even more now is the responsibility for you and for me who have been cured, who have called on the name of Jesus, who have believed, who've had our sins forgiven and covered by the blood of Jesus. Go on to verse 14. Jump down there. Paul then begins to argue and he begins to talk to his audience because they had been cured, but they weren't sharing the cure. They had been healed, but they were surrounded by people who were still infected, and they were doing nothing about it. So Paul says, how then will they call on Jesus, him whom they've not believed? How will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Now, be careful. Don't read verse 14 and say, well, that's why we've got a ministry staff. That's your job, preacher. That's, that's what the ministry staff does. We're just, we're just the laity. We just have been cured, yes, but you're the preachers. That's not true. The word preacher here isn't talking about my calling to be a pastor to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. This word preacher actually is not about me. It's about we, we the people, we the sheep of God's flock are called to preach. You see that word preacher there actually is the same Greek word for herald. A herald, H-E-R-A-L-D, was a messenger of the king. And the role of the herald was to go throughout the countryside into all the villages sent by his king to declare to all the people that the war had been won, that they had victory and they were no longer in danger of death. The enemy had been conquered, and that was the message of the preacher or the herald. They were to bring good news to every person and every community. The same is true for you and me. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God has called us, the body of Christ, to go to those who are infected with the virus and bring them the antidote that has cured us in our sin. Look at verse 15. Paul continues the argument. And he says, How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. As you look at verse 15, I want to highlight three words very quickly. The first word that ought to jump out at Jesus says, How will they preach? 
Paul then is not only reminding us of our role and our calling to be the messenger, to take the word, but that we are to also preach or to share that message. What good is it to have the message inside of us if we're not sharing that with the ones who need it, the ones who are infected? We are to preach and to give them the antidote. And so we're going to look at some practical things very quickly this morning. How do we carry out our calling? And how do we do that right now in this time of crisis? Not just how do we address coronavirus, how do we address the eternal virus? How do we preach during this season of crisis? Number one, let me challenge you with this. It doesn't say that we're to preach at them. We're simply to share the good news. We preach through God conversations, through engaging people in regular day-to-day conversations, just like we bring a virus under control by giving them an antidote. They have to show up. They have to engage with medical uh, personnel. They then, in that personal engagement, that relational engagement, they receive the antidote and they are healed. If they don't show up at the hospital, if they don't go where the antidote is, they never are healed. Well, today we have the vaccine, we have the antidote, and we need to take that to those who have been infected. The Bible says, look at the second word I'd highlight out of verse 15, how will they preach unless they are sent? One of the last things Jesus ever said to his bride, to the body of Christ, is to go into all the earth. Go everywhere, because everyone is infected. The virus is spread across this whole globe. Not coronavirus, the virus of sin. And he said, go into your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, the very ends of the earth. And we will find new and fresh ways to do that on a regular basis, as well as long-term until Jesus returns but we preach, we share through engaging with our community and through relationally building those bridges into other people's lives. How do we do that? The third word there is feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When you think of beauty, how many of you think of feet? Anybody? Not me. Nasty. Feet are not the most beautiful thing in the world to me. And yet, Scripture says in this case, There's nothing more beautiful on the planet than the feet of the herald, the messenger. The person who goes to another person and shares the good news, the message from the king that the enemy has been defeated, that there is an antidote, that death no longer has to own you, your future, or eternity, that there is victory in Jesus. But there are people who've never heard that. There are people who've never wrestled with that because there are feet that have never delivered the message. As I say often, help me, Rhonda. Actually, help me, Holy Spirit. Help you, Holy Spirit, to be what we need to be in this day and in this time, that we are all called to deliver that message to those who desperately need it. So let's take a look. Go to verse 16. He goes on and says, However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, The Lord who has who or Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We find here that the antidote, Jesus, can only be their antidote, can only heal their virus if it is received by faith. 
I think about this when we deal with the coronavirus. When scientists finally discover an antidote for that coronavirus, and there will be a discovery, there will be a virus available, or I'm sorry, an antidote available. It might be in the form of a shot. I'm praying more for a pill, personally, just saying. But if you had the virus, you would be desperate for that antidote. It doesn't matter if it was in a shot or pill form, and you would know absolutely nothing about the chemical makeup of that particular antidote. But when they bring it to you and they say, this has been proven to help others, you're going to take the pill, you're going to take the shot because you want your healing. And by faith, you would receive that medicine because it's been proven to heal others and because you know it's your only hope. It's mind-boggling to me today that there are so many people who've been infected with the virus of sin, a virus that not only leads to physical death, but leads to eternal death. And yet there's not that same desperation for the cure. There is a blindness and a hardness as if, well, this is just the way I am and this is the way it's going to be and I'm fine just like I am. No, you're not. No, they're not. They're infected. They need to be healed. And they need to know that the only way they can be healed is what Isaiah taught. They can only be healed by what Jesus did on the cross. And so why are so many who are infected with a virus which leads to eternal death not desperate for a cure? And why are we more concerned about this coronavirus than we are this other virus that every person on the planet has been infected with? God, forgive us for receiving the antidote, for being cured of our sin, and caring less about others who've been infected. God, forgive us. And maybe... One of the lessons we can learn during the coronavirus, maybe what we can learn and maybe how we can be humbled is by asking for God to forgive us of neglecting our calling, for not declaring that message, and not taking the antidote to everybody we possibly can. So if you look at verse 17 again, look at what verse 17 says. A person can only receive the antidote. They can only place their faith in Christ from hearing. From hearing from the messenger, from you and me, about that antidote. From hearing the word of Christ. So let me wrap up this message today. How do we minister to those with the virus? We do verse 17. We become people of our calling. We become filled with the Holy Spirit. We receive the message from our king and we take it to all the world every neighborhood every family member every co-worker everywhere we can possibly go so what should they be hearing well he says they should be hearing the word of God but I want to back up for just a moment and tell you what they should not be hearing if we're not careful right now we can try to be messengers of the gospel and we can deliver the wrong message we can say the wrong thing with the right heart Let's make sure we have the right heart, but let's also make sure we have the right message. Here's some things. I'll put them on the screen. Some things not to say during this time of crisis. Don't say everything's going to be fine. Everything's not fine. It's never been fine since the virus first came into this planet. I'm talking about eternal virus. Ever since Adam and Eve invited sin in the human equation, man has never been fine. It's not fine. There is illness. There is death. There is pandemics. There are pandemics. There are all kinds of challenges. Don't say, hey, you're going to be okay. We don't know that. 
We don't know what tomorrow brings. Now, we, are, we do know that we can all be okay in Christ ultimately. But right now, as people are dealing with the current pandemic, we need to be careful and be very sensitive that we don't just throw out curt Sunday school answers and we just casually and, and uh, comfortably throw out curt answers. Let's make sure we're bringing them truth. We should not say to fearful people, and there are a number of people that are very fearful. I mean, when you get all consumed with truckloads of toilet paper at your house, that's a sign of great fear and what's happening. Let's get a little bit more careful with our words and know that people right now are under a spirit of fear. And if they are, don't say this, well, you're just overreacting. They don't need that kind of preaching. They don't need to be preached at. They need to be loved unconditionally, and they need to be brought words of comfort from God's Word. What do you say to people who are fearful? What can you say? What should we say? Well, we do know this. We should be encouraging one another. Even Scripture says, addresses the reality of fear, when in Philippians it says, don't be anxious or fearful about anything, but in all things, acknowledge God. Take your request to God. But it's also interesting in Philippians, he says, as you bring those fearful circumstances to God, as you release those to Him, do it with thanksgiving. That there is a peace that will guard your heart and your mind when you realize, yes, fearful things go on around us all day long, all the time. All of us are facing fearful things throughout our life. And yet we have a God who's bigger than all those things. And we want to help point people to the King. So what you can say, we, let's talk about what we can say, what we should say, how we can be good stewards of this opportunity, how we can creatively help people find the antidote for the greater virus, the eternal virus of sin. Well, number one, realize this is prime time opportunity for God conversations. Never in my life, never in your life, have you ever had the opportunities we have today to talk about how fragile life is, the issues of this life, and frankly, get into some spiritual conversations. And what I've discovered is questions many times are the best way to give people answers or help them find answers. Questions like, and so what I want to challenge you with is to start praying now and look for daily opportunities to have God conversations, to talk about the realities of what's going on in our world, and that's where Jesus always started. When you study him in gospel in the Gospels, you'll find these God conversations he would have with people who were infected, and he would show them the reality of their physical need and transition or build a bridge to the spiritual need. How do we do that? Well, there are some ways, there are questions that can lead to deeper conversations. Questions like, man, have you ever seen anything like this before? That automatically, that question just gets people talking. Everywhere I'm going throughout our city, I'll be standing in line and everybody's talking about the virus and everybody's talking about supplies and everybody's talking about what's happening and how this and that and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Man, everybody's talking about it. When you ask that simple question, have you ever seen anything like this before? It opens the door to talk about a bigger and more deadly virus. It opens up some other questions like, have you ever seen a time when even our churches didn't meet? Man, this is crazy, right? And people say, yeah, this is nuts. I've never seen anything like this before. Well, even just bringing up the reality of churches not meeting brings you to a transition towards spiritual things. What are you doing now? Maybe this is a follow-up question. 
So, do you go to church anywhere? What are you doing if your church isn't meeting right now? How are you engaging spiritually? How are you praying right now during the virus? These kind of questions use the physical reality that we're in and brings a bridge over into spiritual conversations. It allows us to relate to people the deadly results of the coronavirus to the deadly results of an eternal virus. And maybe you need to remind them that there is a more deadly virus than the coronavirus. Maybe you need to remind them there is a virus that every human being has been infected with, and no matter what precautions you take, no matter how much you separate from people, no matter how much you try to quarantine yourself, you are still infected with this virus. What's that virus? They're going to ask you, what virus? What are you talking about? You can introduce them to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that eternal virus that was delivered and is in the veins of each and every human being. And in those God conversations, we can point out how amazed we are that so many people are so concerned and are being so careful about not getting the coronavirus. They're doing everything possible to live. And yet how careless we are with our souls. That's a great God conversation. That's a great question to put in front of other people to get them to think because people are thinking. People are thinking differently today. Let's make sure we're speaking differently. Jesus. Jesus addressed a crisis time for a family who's experiencing the reality of death. We don't know exactly here all the details, but we know that Jesus' best friend Lazarus had died. He'd been buried in a tomb. He showed up to minister in that moment, carrying out his calling, bringing good news to those who were hurting and been touched by death, been touched by a virus, if you will, the virus of eternal death or death. Jesus said some very powerful things in John chapter 11, verse 25. He said to Lazarus' sister, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me, they will never die. There's your antidote. There Jesus just said, even though you've been infected and even though the wages of sin is death, that is something all of us have done. But if you believe in me, even though you'll taste physical death, you'll not die. You will live forevermore. And then he asked a follow-up question. Do you believe this? You see, that's a question every person ought to wrestle with right now. What do they believe about life? What do they believe happens after this life? Jesus said, if you die in your sin, you'll experience eternal death. But for everyone who believes in him, places their faith, takes him into their heart, takes in the antidote, they will be healed. And they will live even though they taste physical death. They will live forever. So how do you share? Let's say in some of these God conversations, a person was to say to you, okay, I get it. I'm infected with that virus. I've sinned against God. I get it. How do I, how do I receive the antidote? Well, very quickly, I want you to take out a sheet of paper. I want you to write some notes. If you can't find a sheet of note paper, I know you got plenty of toilet paper. Write it on the toilet paper, whatever you got to do. Write down these verses. I'm going to give you a path. Some have called this the Roman road. This is kind of a modified version. Some key verses that you can walk people through systematically to let them receive by faith 
Jesus. First verse, write this down. First verse is this, 1 John 5, 13. Just write it down. You can go back. Matter of fact, what I would have you do is go into your Bible later on after we have our prayer time this morning as a nation. We're going to gather up and pray here online, but, but you can go back later today. Take some time, go into your Bible, and code. Go to 1 John 5, 13. And out in the margin, you're going to write the next verse, Romans 3, 23. That little code will show you where to turn next as you just systematically introduce somebody to Jesus. In 1 John 5, 13, you want to introduce to them the reality that you, God wants you to know that you have the antidote, that you've been healed, that you have eternal life. These things have I written that you may know you have eternal life. After you let them see that verse, go to Romans 3.23. In that verse, when you get to Romans 3.23, circle the word all. What you want to point out there is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have been infected. There's your, there's your proof. Then, out in the margin of Romans 3.23, write Romans 5.12. Go over to Romans 5.12. Again, you're going to point them that that is when sin entered the world through one man. Death was a result of that sin, and it came to all of us. So we all have a problem. If we've all sinned, we all have a death sentence. That's a problem. In the margin of Romans 5.12, write Romans 6.23. When you flip over to Romans 6.23, you're going to circle two words, wages and gift. And you'll unpack those two words as you're revealing that in your God conversation. Say, so look at what Romans 6.23 says. While all of us deserve death, the wages of sin is death. See it there? Wages is what we get paid for what we've done. We've all sinned. We all deserve the payment of death. But look at this second word. It's a beautiful word, gift. And now I teach them about a gift. A gift is not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. It's something that is given to us. Another person gives us the gift. They pay for it. They offer it to us. But we have to receive it for it to be our gift. And how do we do that? What the Bible is saying is the only way we can be healed of our virus is to receive this gift. How do we receive the gift? Well, number one, back up right in the margin of Romans 6.23, put Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8, it says that God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That shows the price that was paid. That God so loved them, God so loves them that he gave his only begotten son and in this verse it says while we were sinners he died he paid the price with his life after romans 5 8 in the margin write romans 10 9 and 10 get over there and circle everywhere you see the word heart it's with the heart we must believe so it's at that point that i would be sharing with them the only way we can be healed of our virus is not by going to church we're just going to be around other viruses the church doesn't fix it Good doesn't fix the bad. We can't overwhelm the virus with our goodness. That We have to believe in our heart. We have to receive the antidote, Jesus, and we have to receive him into our being, into our person, making him the Lord of our life. Not believing in our head, but believing in our heart. Out beside Romans 10, 9, and 10, write Romans 10, 13. And there it says, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. I'll show them one last verse if you want another one. John 1, 12, which says, But as many as received him, there's receiving the antidote. If you don't take in the antidote, you still got the virus. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You have a calling. We have the antidote. We've been cured. And those who've been cured, Jesus says, Now go 
Go to everyone who has the virus, every single person in every single part of this planet, whether it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth, and may your feet be called blessed. And may we rush, may we rush out wherever we can with whoever we can. And we can even do that online by posting our story, by sharing God's story through our story, digitally and also as we're in line at stores or wherever else we may be. May we run to the sick and may we take the cure. It's interesting, back in those days when the king sent the herald, he didn't just do it the next day. He just didn't start a journey towards another city and just walk in. He ran with all of his might to deliver the good news. May we, may we, the body of Christ, the ones who've been cured, may we run to the sick, herald the good news, that by his stripes they can be healed. Would you pray with me this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed? I want to pray for you for just a moment. Then Brett's going to come and he's going to pray over time offering and say, well, how are we going to do an offering when we're at home in our pajamas? He's going to let you know how that can happen. But let's pray together right now for your ministry and for the people in your world. Father God, thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the countless homes that have tuned in today and many more that will Check in on the archives. And God, I pray that you would take your word that is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and you would use it powerfully in our hearts, but more importantly in this world. That we wouldn't just hang on to the cure, and we wouldn't just be thankful for the antidote that we have, that we've been healed of our sin, but we would be just as passionate to take that antidote to so many people who are sick, infected, and dying from this virus. And Lord, we do pray for the coronavirus. We do pray for healing there. We do pray that you would work in people's lives that are struggling right now, that need you, the great physician, to bring healing to their bodies. But God, use us to bring healing to their souls. We thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Brother Brett, talk to the church about how we can continue on giving our tithes and our offerings. Okay, thank you, Pastor. During this unusual time, we are able to worship the Lord by giving what is His back to Him in our way of being uh, grateful and showing our love towards Him. You can go online to pcbc.tv slash giving and follow the instructions in a step-by-step manner, and it will show you how to give online. It also gives you instructions on how to text your gift back to the church through these very secure portals. We thank you for your support. Even though the church facilities are closed or on, quote, lockdown for a short period of time, uh, the church body is still active and working out there. And we will have all kinds of new opportunities for the church involvement to uh, come uh, and ask for our help. So with that, thank you for your support. Awesome. Let me pray for you right now. Father God, I pray uh, for the faithfulness of the saints, that right now we would engage more than ever before in our stewardship, knowing that in these next weeks and days to come, there are going to be all kinds of different ministry needs that we never anticipated but have not caught you by surprise. So God, as we give online now, uh, if we need to drive it up at some point or mail it in, Lord, whatever we need to do to be faithful, 
knowing that these gifts will be multiplied to maybe perhaps feed uh, latchkey kids, help international students, those who have lost wages during this time. Whatever we need to do, Lord, we want to be faithful to meet those needs. So God, we faithfully and cheerfully continue to seek first your kingdom. We do it now in our giving. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.